The subject of today's episode will be the mass evacuation and the horrors that came from it. The cleansing of the class structure, the demolition of the economy, the culling of all religions, and the country turning against itself. With prisons set up strictly to find enemies of the state and entire fields dedicated to burying the dead. You'll hear how paranoia can just in three and a half short years, completely tear down a government from the inside, but not without a little help from the Vietnamese. Today, we give you our second and final episode of Pol Pot and the Cambodian Genocide. I'm Kevin Young. I once kicked Colonel Sanders in the teeth because he fed me some park chicken. Son of a Ooh. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Down Oregon. And this is torture. I like KFC. I like some parts of KFC. Right? It's it's they fucked it up over here. It used to be good and then they yeah. fucked it fucked it up and it's bad now i had it for the first time in years a while ago because our child had never had kfc before and he wanted to try it and i was like oh this is it's still bad <laughs> so <laughs> still use the original 11 herbs and spices over here they they used to have like a, a buttered corn on the cob over here that was on a stick corn on the cob on a stick yeah so here, pretty yeah. much pretty much two sticks is what you're doing because the corn and the cob is already a stick. And it's his own stick. vessel. <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. You're wasting. You're wasting sticks. It's like uh, wrapping a it banana. Was, <laughs> it was yeah. Or we well you like you look in the uh, look see those pictures on Facebook over like Japan or whatever. It's garlic that's already peeled, wrapped in plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Or oranges that have been peeled and wrapped in plastic. It's like come on. Um. But no, we, we, I, 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 I love our KFC. They, they took the corn off the cob and they put it in a bowl now, so it's not quite the same. But still, I think the mashed potatoes have maybe gone downhill. I we don't, don't have mashed. You don't have mashed. How the fuck <laughs> of all the places in the world that doesn't do the mashed potatoes? For I'm KFC? sorry. The last thing you want to do is come to Ireland with a subpar potato product. Okay. Well, so. That shit ain't gonna go. That ain't gonna happen. We're not also not. I I I get the whole. Let's say um oh, stereotype. Sorry, I wasn't gonna say stereotype. I was gonna say I get whole culinary idea, all that little stuff of the masher gravy, chicken thing. I think it's fantastic combination and all that stuff. Oh okay, okay, I guess. But they yeah, it's just oh, it's just not done here. Like we get fries with ours, and there's all right. They have the corn. They have the gravy. Yeah. We have beans. I can't think of what else they have. 
One of our KFCs uh, ran out of chicken before, though. Do they do mac and cheese over there? Nope. Nope. No, so that's the thing. They, they don't have that whole southern cuisine thing down. It's, mac it's and Kentucky. cheese. Kentucky uh, yeah. like, fried chicken. They, they, mac and cheese, I don't think it wouldn't go down as well here as a side and somewhere like that. Like, you go to places here. There's a couple of burger places or a couple of places that specialize in barbecue stuff and stuff like that, that um, are kind of more um it's it's very annoying actually because they're kind of more like you know, I like up market places and they're more expensive mm-hmm. even though barbecue should be cheap you know and yeah, yeah they'd have those kind of sites but you know not not, not kfc you know so now oh, fuck we got the we got the you can get the green beans you can get the baked beans the mac and cheese the corn the potatoes and gravy the biscuits you get biscuits yeah we don't have biscuits it's just <laughs> I see I know I get it you know but it's just it's not something that would really work here I don't think God, uh... biscuits fucking work everywhere I'm sorry biscuits no it's not, it's not it's not what's viewed here as being um a norm in food if you get me you know hence reason why you specialist place to it like fucking buttermilk biscuit with a little bit of of butter and jelly on that thing god Damn it. We see them just as scones or scones. Scones. But a scone, a scone and a biscuit aren't the same. I, I, thing. I know that, but if you put two of those things in front of people over here, they're gonna be like, that's just a really shit looking scone. So well, I need to try it. So I'm, I've so, tried it. I think they're delicious. I'm good with them. They are fucking all. delicious. Yeah. If they're made again, if they're made right. I've had yeah. bad biscuits before too. You bite into them, it's like eating chalk. Yeah. It's like can I have some more, please? <laughs> Just crumbs falling from your mouth. Eating. Well, how how you been? I'm good. In a little bit. Yeah, good, good. We had the uh, the wedding weekend. Not my wedding, obviously. My sister-in-law, mother-in-law. The cakes look fucking great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my god, the cat's back in. <laughs> But yeah, it's something you, I think about doing yeah. more. You yeah. don't remember, for those of you, uh, I think we brought it up on the last episode. It might have been a Patreon thing. I don't know. Dan had to, Dan, yeah, it was a Patreon thing. It was a Patreon thing because oh. we talked about the eggs and you getting them from a vending machine. Um, <laughs> you, uh, Dan made uh, cakes for, was it your sister in law? Was that? Yeah, was, yeah. That, my sister in law's yeah. wedding. Yeah. Made the wedding cakes and the cupcakes for that and sent me some pictures. They look really fucking good. What, what, kind were they again one was a victorious sponge mm. inspired one so i had like a strawberry jam core to sure. it and like vanilla cream buttercream stuff and then the other one was a traditional swedish cake turned into kind of cupcakes um which yeah. is called a clad cacker clad cacker so i can't remember how you how you pronounce it but it's like a chocolate cake that's like a brownie meets a chocolate lava cake. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's made as a, as a whole kind of a, that thickish round cake. So I made them as um, the oxide. I did that with raspberry buttercream and freeze-dried raspberries and stuff. So yeah. yeah. They look delicious. They looked very good. I, think you yeah, I enjoyed it. I wish I could have tried them. From what I saw, I think you did a great job. Well, like I said... Sent was it fucking make that uh recipe, Sancho? Don't you do it right? Oh, I, yeah. I got I got a picture up here real quick of the okay, so on. 
Choose my virtual background. Right here you go now, so the Patreons can see them. Y'all who uh, want to see my cakes, uh, you gotta subscribe. I can subscribe. <laughs> here we go. There so you go. Yep. So uh, there you go. Very want nice. any more than that? You're gonna have to pay people. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Well, shit. Yep. Paul Pot yep. uh, wants some of my cakes. I don't know if Paul Pot would want any of the cakes or not. Uh, he'd keep them all for himself. He'd hoard the cakes. It's time to start up a uh, an Instagram now, apparently. What's all the cake about or some shit? What's all the cake about? <laughs> <laughs> that could be the name of your wedding cake business. What's all the cake about? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, when we last left Paul Pot, formerly Salath Czar, his Khmer Rouge army and refugees of his Khmer his Khmer Rouge army of refugees and teenagers were off to a bang up start. Had just entered the capital city Phnom Penh, and the citizens were all too happy to see the civil war end, for a very short time. That is, because the first thing Paul Pot did when they secured the city was order a complete and utter evacuation of major cities and towns. Phnom Penh has two to three million people in it. Keep that in mind. Every time you mention that place, it just keep thinking of the place from uh, uh, Hunger Games. Pan Am. Oh, Pan Am? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they started going around telling the citizens that the Americans were coming to bomb anywhere that was a major population and that they should flee to the countryside for safety, even though in our last episode, we already saw the Americans bomb the shit out of the countryside. So that's not going to stop us. Oh, they went to the countryside. Drat. <laughs> they foiled yeah. our plan. No, oh, we're fucking the United States. We'll bomb wherever the fuck we want. It's well known that they're like T-Rexes, the Americans are. Their vision isn't based on movement. It's based on building. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> going to a field, they can't see jack shit. <laughs> So uh, they would encourage them to leave their homes unlocked so the soldiers could go in and take care of anything that needed it. And then they could return in a few days. Like, don't worry about feeding your goldfish. We'll take care of it. <laughs> all three million of you will just go feed all your fucking goldfish. But they're like, just leave your houses unlocked. It's fine. Obviously, this is so they could go in and, and take whatever they want and do whatever they want with them. But yeah, yeah, just leave your shit open. Go back and look, look at all them goldfish. <laughs> we have more goldfish now than what we had when we left. How did they yeah. do this? My plants are watered. My mow is, if it was my me, is mowed. If it was me, everybody would have come back and all their furniture would be like upside down and the rooms swapped <laughs> yeah, rearrange. You know, yeah, rearrange everything. <laughs> be like just that one episode. I, I don't know how... how much you watch Seinfeld over there, but there's an episode where Jerry leaves Kramer in his uh, apartment while he goes and runs errands, and he's in there for like four hours by himself, and in that time, he has taken all the furniture out of Jerry's apartment, put it in his apartment, rearranged everything, um, thrown like a, a, 
a full cocktail party. It just it just filled the place up with people, and then and then put it all back the way it was supposed to be. It was like a montage. Fucking, I love Seinfeld. Nice. <sighs> anyway, those that refused, so they'd go to the door and knock and be like, "Hey, the Americans are coming. They're gonna bomb everything. You should really get to the countryside." For safety, if you want to live, and you're like, nah, I think I'll take my chances. We'll be okay. I, I don't think the Americans are doing anything. They're like, well, okay, they'd shoot you. <laughs> they'd shoot you in the face if you refuse to go to the countryside. <laughs> they shot you. So it's it's you're either gonna die because the Americans are bombing you, or we're going to shoot you in the face. That's one way it doesn't make any move, sense. To be fair. Either, but the thing was, no one was Escape spared. Escape death will kill you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one was spared. So you couldn't, like, buy your way out of it, uh, to why you'll find out in a little bit. But rich, poor, sick, healthy, doesn't matter. You're leaving. Even the hospitals were cleared out. And if you weren't able-bodied enough to walk out or have someone wheel you out, well, then guess what? You didn't leave. You were. You were there forever. <laughs> it's, I laugh, but it's really fucking horrible. Because these are two or three million people that are having to just uproot themselves and start walking. Again, they didn't have the public transit system all up and running yet. You know, Civil War. So after three days, the only ones left were soldiers and diplomats at the French embassy. And they were soon taken by truck to the Thai border. So about a week in, it's just nothing but refugees and teenagers just running around. You know, unsupervised minorities. And all uh, the fish. <laughs> They're just eating all the goldfish, rearranging furniture, having the time of their lives. Now, this mass evacuation was a complete horror show for many. Families separated. Some of them never reunited. The Khmer Rouge didn't have enough food or water for the millions and no shelters waiting along the way. In the first few weeks, around 11,000 thousand people died due to starvation, disease, and exhaustion. Others were just killed. Members of Lon Nall's army, bureaucrats, government workers, teachers, doctors, any educated intellectual or professional rounded up, taken out of sight, and shot. 19-year-old Swoon Pal describes his experience during the evacuation, quote, my family and I left the city and took the road to Prek Penev. Along the way, I saw Khmer Rouge soldiers waiting in groups of three or four. They searched people and took their watches, radios, glasses, gold, and precious stones. Some even took 500 real bills and threw them in the air, saying, The revolutionary Ankar has put an end to money. Uh, the real bill was the uh, currency that Cambodians used at the time, and we will get to what Ankar is here in a minute. We had great difficulty making it, making any headway because of the enormous crowd leaving town, and also because some Khmer Rouge kept firing shots to scare us. Many people died on that march. The hospital patients who had been driven out, the women who gave birth on the road, the war casualties— 
We reached VACCAC at on April 25th. Um, the walk was about 30 kilometers long. Along the way, we saw many dead bodies scattered about everywhere, even in the pagodas, and the stench that came from them was almost unbearable. Yeah, there's just women up. giving birth on the side, on the road as they, you know, walk a little bit, stop, give birth, get walk, up, keep stop. walking. Have another baby. Yeah. When the survivors yeah. finally got to the countryside, the Khmer Rouge had labor camps waiting. On the 27th, they announced the formation of the new government called the Democratic Kampucha. It would be headed by Sihanouk as chief of state. Didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> Never. <laughs> so that the oh, other countries so the other countries would see the coup as a return of the king to power. But in reality, Sihanouk was a puppet and Pol Pot was actually pulling the strings. You know, what we talked about, but the emperor and Darth Vader. Sihanouk's more Darth Vader. Pol Pot is the emperor, telling everybody what to do in the background. And the regime's communist affiliation would, for now, not be revealed to the world. Pol Pot and his party leaders would keep their identities unknown, again, for now. Behind the scenes, the supreme leadership of the party was called Ankar, which was faceless, nameless, and all-seeing. Names weren't used. Instead, they even instead they used even more pseudonyms. Paul Pot, which was already a pseudonym for Salazar, was now brother number one. Next in line was Nyun Che, who was brother number two, and so on and so on. It just kept going down the line: brother number three, brother number four. You know, very much of names. Just you know, you're just waiting down the line, like brother sixty nine. Come on, brother sixty nine. It's gonna be great, brother sixty nine. And then you got the other guys like brother four twenty man, brother four twenty man. I'm gonna tell if I don't get it, I'm gonna ask him if I can have it anyway. <laughs> now many of these men who were in the party were his comrades from his Paris days. He brought them, you know, pretty much brought them with him. The next month. Paul Pot would announce to his team that they were to, much like Mao in China, erase Cambodian history. The year of the revolution would be known as Year Zero. So pretty much nothing before the revolution mattered or existed or happened or anything like that. Year of the revolution was when it all started. And they would cut communication to the outside world. And Ankar would implement an eight point policy to wipe out imperialism, religion, and enemies to encourage and enemies and encourage collective labor and organization. Number one, evacuate people from all towns. Check. Did that. Smell an awful lot like communism. (laughs) Number two, Abolish markets. Well, if there's nobody, if there's no cities left, there's nobody in the cities, I guess you probably don't have a fucking supermarket or anything like that anywhere. Nobody's selling well, shit. I would assume it was probably just, yeah, markets in general, the market in the term of. Not yeah, just, just, yeah, just you the. Know, the, the movement of goods. You go to and, and buy shit, yeah. Blah, blah. Number three, abolish the Lan Nal regime currency and withhold the revolutionary currency that has been printed. 
It's like, you see all this, all this money? It's no good anymore. That's the old regime. No good. This is the new revolutionary money, and you can't have any of it. The revolutiono. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't make any sense. We're going to make new money and then not let you have any. Yeah. Then it doesn't mean anything. It's pointless. Like Nobody Bitcoin, got any. <laughs> Bit, yes, it's Bitcoin. Paul Pot was uh, a visionary of cryptocurrency. <laughs> as in, we have it all, but you can't have any. Uh, number have, four. <laughs> not inventing computers yet. Yeah. <laughs> we have cryptocurrency. We have cryptocurrency. Crypto is in mm. mythological. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Uh, number four. Defrock all Buddhist monks and put them to work growing rice. Number five, execute all leaders of the Law Nall regime, beginning with the top leaders. Number six, establish high-level cooperatives through the country with communal eating. So nobody was really allowed to own their own food. It was like, here's a big pile of rice. Everybody dig in. If you don't get any, fuck off. <laughs> It's such a lovely way with words, Kevin. It's, know, it's pretty much what it was. Though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, this is this is all the food you're getting. If you don't get any, then go die somewhere. That's <laughs> and if you think that they didn't actually think that way, just just wait. oh yeah, I assumed it. Assumed as much. Yeah. Number seven: expel the entire Vietnamese minority population from the country. And eight: dispatch troops to the border particularly the Vietnamese border. Now, as far as what Paul Pot started doing to his own people, well, they were essentially slaves, forced to work long, hard hours, watched by guards, and told often, quote, to keep... You know, now, these are, the, these are the guards who are telling the workers, telling the citizens, telling the people who are growing all the crops and doing all... They, they are telling these people this several times a day to keep you is no gain and to destroy you is no loss just like we don't need you motherfucker and then just put a bullet in their head if they need to they didn't give a fuck that was like the civil service <laughs> it sounds like pretty much any menial job i tell people all the time it's like i'm not important at this job that I have, if I was to keel over dead, they'd just put somebody else here and keep rolling. They, yeah. they'd yeah, buy a cake and have a farewell ceremony. In. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all it is. That's all any of these places are. So, yeah. not it's not quite to the level of what it was in the Cambodian genocide, I suppose. But it's still hey, not. Great. Hey, hey, neither of us were there. For all we know, we have a harder than they did. You know, that's true. That's like in, in 40 years from now, or whatever, somebody's going to be sitting on a podcast talking about how, you know what I mean, how, how, how poorly we were treated. How, hor how uh, horrible people in their like, mid to late 30s and early 40s were treated at their jobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're a cog in a machine, man. Just a cog. Just a, cog. Machine. Just a gear. Education, money, religion, bright clothing, friendships, all... <clears throat> God damn, I had something pop up on my computer. Hold on. Just for no reason, just my computer just popped. It was like, hey, how you doing? And then I had to close out. I was like, okay, what the that's, fuck that, was that? That's, that's them there viruses he's getting from watching that there pornography. That's 
That I'll is. have you know I run through a VPN for all my pornography. It's completely clean. <laughs> Education, money, religion, bright clothing, friendships, all abolished or forbidden. Forced marriages were implemented, and children were separated from their parents to be raised communally. Uh, the new people to the countryside, the citizens that spent their lives in the cities, were now forced to work in the rice fields, many of which were not suited for the lifestyle and died from being overworked or were beaten or starved to death. Didn't care how old you were, didn't care how physically fit you were, did not give a shit. If you were there, you were in the rice fields, you were working. That's what I'm saying. Some poor paraplegic fuckers <clears throat> sitting there and drowning in the paddy fields because yeah. you know, they're not fit to be there. Yeah. People in their fucking 80s are out there, you know, pulling up rice or whatever the fuck they do in a rice field, but they're out there working their asses off and then they just keel over and die. And they're just left there and people work around them. Just say, they piss and shit themselves into the <laughs> fucking rice. Like, mm, fertilizer, keep going. They don't give it, they don't fucking care. <laughs> Mix it in. God damn it. How do you think you got the brown rice? I was going to say, yeah, is, is that how you got brown rice? But... <laughs> Who, which one of us was going to go for the easy joke first? Uh, yeah, yeah. Beach and Tua. I should know that that's my bar. It's, it's about that high anyway. So I should have just said it. Just, what was expected it's like when I listen back on episodes and I'm like why didn't I say this particular joke and I was like oh that's because it's shit and then sometimes like thinking to myself when you're saying something I'm listening to back of the podcast and I think something goes through my head and automatically the next thing I hear it coming out of my mouth I'm like ah I didn't think of that <laughs> that was an easy shot oh and then there was the ethnic cleansing. That's a hell of a segue. I was, was, yeah, was going to say, there's no, no rice cleansing. We're <laughs> all right with uh, the ethnic cleansing. Ethnic Vietnamese, ethnic Thai, Chinese, ethnic Cam Muslim, Cambodian Christians, and other minorities were targeted. The Khmer Rouge forcibly relocated minority groups and banned their language. By decree, the Khmer Rouge banned the existence of more than 20 minority groups, which constituted 15% of Cambodia's population. So, ironically, they didn't like the Asians very much. Something like that. <laughs> they didn't like other other Asians. Asians. <laughs> or, or religions. Uh, he was wanting to make an atheistic communist utopia, which in theory... Sounds excellent. Again, theory, the the Karl Marxist, you know, communist utopia theory, sounds fucking fantastic. Implementing yeah, I, it, I agree with the, the, especially with the atheist side of things, because I'm a firm believer like the whole church and state should never be mixed. Yeah, you do what you want behind closed doors. You worship whoever you want behind closed doors. Don't bring it out here to me, because I don't want to hear about it. Following the expulsion of the ethnic, we're going to go through some of these uh, ethnic cleansings real quick because, I mean, you gotta. So following the expulsion of the ethnic Vietnamese from Cambodia, the regime began massacring Vietnamese civilians who were being deported out of the country. The regime then prevented the remaining 20,000 ethnic Vietnamese from fleeing, and much of this group was also executed. So yeah, they're like, get out. Just get out. 
Leave the country. Okay, we'll leave. Now, you know what? Kill him instead. (laughs) Cambodian colonoscopy right there. Something like that. Just let me leave. No. They wanted to leave. They tried to leave. A lot of them did leave. And then they're like, you know what? Just fucking kill him. Because he didn't want him in Vietnam. Pol Pot didn't want Vietnamese anywhere. He, By this point in his life, he fucking just despised all Vietnamese people. Whether you're communist or not, they just want to just do away with you. The Wouldn't Khmer you look like D with some of these motherfuckers? Like, imagine like having <laughs> one of them as a DM like, and Paul Pot as a DM. It's kind of like, well, like I, I hit your big bad guy. He's like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> it's like he rolls an at one as clear as day. That, that's an at 20. You're dead. You know, it's like, okay. Thanks, boss. I use fireballs, but yeah. we're all in this itty bitty area. I don't use fireball now. I use fireball. fireball. Twice. You roll the nat one. My fireball's so strong, and that one's fine. <laughs> the Khmer Rouge also used the media to support their goals of genocide. Radio Phnom Penh called on Cambodians to, quote, exterminate the 50 million Vietnamese. So, really didn't like them very much. So as far as the Chinese Cambodians were concerned, and he really wanted the help of the Chinese. So this this was a little surprising. But they say it was, quote, the worst disaster ever to befall any ethnic Chinese community in Southeast Asia. They were massacred under the rationale that they were, quote, used to exploit the Cambodian people. Many of the businesses in the larger cities were ran by Chinese Cambodians at the time. Uh, they were stereotyped as traders and money lenders associated with capitalism, while historically the group had acted had attracted resentment due to their lighter skin color and cultural differences. All I can think of is when Hitler tried to bring up the mm-hmm. whole Jews are bad for everybody because they're the ones who control. Yeah, they're the ones who control the media. They're the ones who control all the money. It's uh-huh. pretty much the same fucking thing. It's the exact same thing crossed my mind as soon as you said it. <laughs> like, yeah. You're talking about it. I was like, that sounds just like Hitler Jews. Yeah. <laughs> Hundreds of Chinese were rounded up and told that they were to be resettled, but were actually executed. At the beginning of the rule of the Khmer Rouge regime in 1975, there were around 425 thousand ethnic Chinese in Cambodia. By the time it was all over, there were just 200,000. Most of them stuck in uh, Thai refugee camps. The rest of them were put, were left in Cambodia or just murdered. About 170,000 Chinese fled from Cambodia to move to Vietnam or others were repatriated into Chinese society. You might be thinking, well, wouldn't this hurt relations between the Chinese and uh, Pol Pot? And the answer is not really. No, they didn't really give a fuck. Because <laughs> at the time, Miao Zedong was running it all, and he didn't give a fuck about his own people. So, yeah. He was, he was in the middle of setting up all of his Chinese ripoff factories anyway. Yes. You know? Again, like we had talked they about just before. They just made the, the Made in China stamp his... There's literally <laughs> yeah. just gone to production and they're sticking it on fucking everything they possibly yeah. could. Yeah. All the so. Trump American flags. Yeah, they just 
yeah. made in China, right on the side. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Sitting there under a truckload of iPhones, just stop. stop. Making stop. their superior mans and their <laughs> Robert Cop. <laughs> Robert <laughs> Cop. Middle aged uh... ninja tortoises. <laughs> I wonder if, the, if in China it just says made. Like a made, made, <laughs> made down the road or some shit. It's just made in, made in, dot, dot, dot. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has an arrow pointing down. Yeah. Wherever you're standing, you probably made it. <laughs> and you can't afford it. Uh, but the quote, fiercest extermination campaign was directed against the ethnic camps or Cambodians Muslim minority. Islam was seen as an alien and foreign culture that didn't belong in the new communist system. At first, the Khmer Rouge wanted forced assimilation of cams through population dispersal. Well, that didn't work. Pol Pot just decided to use imitation, including the assassination of village elders. But he ultimately ordered the full-scale mass killing of the cam people, starting with the murder of Cam Muslim leaders, including uh, muftis, imams, and other men of influence. Then they outlawed any Muslim rituals. <clears throat> they were forced from their communities, either forced to perform labor in the fields, or they were accused of plotting to incite acts of resistance or rebellion against the Khmer Rouge and arrested. Around 132 mosques were destroyed during Pol Pot's rule, Others were desecrated, and Muslims weren't allowed to practice their faith. They were forced to eat pork and then murdered when they refused. Whole That's villages. I, I know it's 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 a low blow. <clears throat> Killing all these people. I mean, that's horrible, obviously. But that's one thing. But but like, before we get to kill you. You have to eat the one thing your religion says you are not allowed to eat. It's just it's just for no reason. So here's here's the thing. This is gonna sound really bad, but this is um, purely for the point of comedy, right here, folks. Just like, oh god, here we go. If you <laughs> thing is right, it's I I I well, I don't believe in any of that stuff, and I think it's all ho right. hokum, right? Um, I respect the fact that people do. So therefore, if somebody Muslim or whatever that doesn't want to eat pork because of their religion and all that shit then sure cool I don't um, care yeah? yeah but but the upside to this is that they got to actually finally try sweet sweet delicious savory pork for the first time <laughs> and because like fucking pork man is just it's delicious the but most amazing wonderful animal ever <laughs> Jesus um they're far dirtier animals than pigs. So Oh yeah. Pigs are actually very clean animals. Yeah. Like look, I but I, I get it, but you know, I can just imagine the guy sitting there, guy hands him like a Carnitas burrito or some shit. Like, Eat this <laughs> or you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And it's filled with brown rice. Jesus God, God damn it. <laughs> he's just sitting there, he's like I get it now. So, yeah. No. Okay. God damn it. Uh, pineapple and Canadian bacon on their pizza. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. Do it. It's so good. Hawaiian pizza. It's so good. Oh. 
Yeah, and technically Hawaiian pizza it. should be spam instead of ham because spam is so prevalent it's in massive Hawaii. Hawaii it's yeah. a big thing. I must try it because I have a can of spam in the in the press. Um, we bought it as a joke. We we're in a shop. We're um, we we're in the this town in the middle of nowhere here on the west coast, and mm-hmm. <laughs> it was Connor and his friend were there, and we were just one of these like very old typical Irish pubs where I had like a. Like a little convenience store thing attached to it the way it used to be like i mean you used to go in and you'd have like a little bar next to the butchers or whatever like that and it's a very it's an all-encompassing thing so one door is the shop one door is the pub sure so we're in there having a few drinks anyway and um decided to pop into the shop next door to get a few snacks we're playing game pool so we had a pool tournament and they were like why well, who's got what we're we gonna win if we win so <laughs> i got a can of spam <laughs> and i thought that was the trophy for winning <laughs> and it's sitting there for the last like two years, I think. I was going to paint a gold, I've decided not to, but uh, it's sitting in there now for the last two years or so, and I still haven't bothered making anything yet. But I was thinking about making spam sushi or now. Have you like, ever had spam... have you ever actually eaten it? No, but I heard it's delicious. See, that's the it's thing. It's fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, I won't do that. Oh I won't my do, like, god, spam, spam carbonara type thing. Spam gets the worst fucking rep, and it is delicious. Cut it I'm in. I'm sorry, I've like... eaten spam, sorry, yes, but I haven't eaten spam sushi sorry okay 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 yes yeah, so cut it into like quarter inch thick slices and fry, uh, it. fry it up in a little bit of oil put it mm. on a sand just just some bread and tomato and mayonnaise or something oh fucking hell or chop i chop it up i cube it and i'm put it with some cubed potatoes and make a hash put some eggs on it mm. it's yeah. fucking great or uh cube it up and you know lightly you know fry it up so it's nice and crispy and done but not like to the point where it's just greasy as shit put it on some ramen holy fuck man oh, I yeah. love oh that's stuff. a fucking great idea actually because i've had all that shit it's... downstairs for making ramen for uh lunch week so yeah. cool that's Dude, a great idea actually some chopped up fried spam and a soft boiled egg on top of your fucking I'm ramen for the rest of the week <laughs> god damn it it's good fuck try some <sighs> if you if you're out there and you like pork you can eat pork get you some fucking spam or luncheon meat if you uh go the generic cold cut root yeah it's fucking great now back oh, to uh no, the back genocide to... of <laughs> back um, to... all the muslim people who can't enjoy spam uh, whole villages were eradicated uh, none they of weren't these people can to... enjoy spam let's be honest <laughs> they weren't allowed oh, to speak dad. their language the children were separated from their parents and raised as Khmers. Orders given by the Khmer Rouge government stated, quote, The Cam Nation no longer exists on Capuchin soil belonging to the Khmer. Accordingly, Cam Nation nationality, language, customs, and religious beliefs must be immediately abolished. Those who fail to obey this order will suffer all the consequences for their acts of opposition to Ankar. No, those are mini series. They don't make season twos of those. Fuck's sake! She just got done watching Fall of the House of Usher. Oh, it's so good! And she's like, "There's not gonna be a season two. Like, no, of course not. None of, no, none of his stuff <laughs> ever. None of their stuff ever have season two. No. Well, now that she's interrupted us and, and taken this train of thought off its fucking track, let's get it back on. Um, Fuck's sake! 
All religions were banned, and the rep and the repression of adherence to Islam, Christianity, and Buddhism was extensive. It's estimated that up to fifty thousand Buddhist monks were massacred by the Khmer Rouge. By by mid nineteen seventy six. Paul Pot was announced as prime minister, and he was pushing hard for a complete and rapid transformation to a communist utopian collective where people would live and work for the good of the country and the party and not for personal gain. Looking for his plans to be even more aggressive and rapid than Mao's great leap forward, he had a four-year plan to boost agricultural production and the use of the profits from the surplus to industrialize. Looking to triple agricultural production within a year without the use of modern machinery or tools. This guy thinks he's playing Age of Empires 2 or some <laughs> shit. <I> guess. Settlers <laughs> of fucking Gatan or yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> so if I build my pyramid, if I build my pyramid, then I'll be able to progress to the next age. It's like get out of Paul Popper, stuck in the Iron Age. I don't care. Give me sixteen more farms. There's some wood over there you can chop. Where all the little men with hammers just going? Yeah, it builds. Says it takes twelve hours, but I always pay a little bit extra to speed it up. It doesn't take nine months per person, and they're useless for years. But since they killed most of the intellectuals, including anyone that would possibly know on how on earth you would triple production in a year, most of these new farmers were completely ignorant. People on collective farms endured harsh living conditions, including inadequate shelters, sanitation, and medical facilities. Malnutrition and starvation were widespread due to insufficient food rations and the regime's inability to manage agricultural production effectively. Tens of thousands of people died as a result. And much like other iron-fisted dictators, he refused to accept any blame for the failure of his plan for the country, saw himself as a genius in every field. He couldn't be he couldn't be the one that had gotten it all wrong. It had to be something or someone else. Quote, hidden enemies burrowing from within. He thought there were counter-revolutionaries and spies undermining his plans. That'd be said, it's kind of ironic though that people are like failing and dying of starvation while tripling farming. But they're but they but they're not tripling anything. No, they're trying they're to, tripled. you know. It, they're trying to. That's, that's they haven't my point. tripled anything. <laughs> Because the more people you have working, the more food they're going to need. The I know, more yeah, you're growing, the, the more yeah, yeah. they're take, take in. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's almost like it... the time. <laughs> it's really funny, right? So <laughs> we were doing up the garden at the time, right? Here's a, here's a funny way for uh, how adolescent brains work, right? So we were doing up the, the garden and um, we had a plant pot sitting there. And my wife was talking about how she wants to have a bigger one. Um, yeah. And so the child, his thought was, well, he said, if he listens to this, Connor, you know well, damn well what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> if you cut it in half and put it back together, it would be bigger. That was the 
Now I know there. exactly. I know exactly what the train of thought was. Was as if you cut it in half and put something else in the middle, <laughs> spread sure. it out. But there's nothing else to put in the fucking middle. So what he actually said was cut it in half and put it back together, and then it'll be big. <laughs> yeah, because that was very technically it would be smaller. Yeah, because you lose, lose the width of the blade. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it's so funny. See, I did say I put up trust pilot review. Yeah. And it was because of the fact that I uh, kind of nearly wouldn't want to do an ad like this without actually trying the things out. So both you and I have ordered numerous products. I have mm-hmm. ordered, I think it's three of the bundles. Yeah. I got the, the beard growth bundle with the derma roller and the growth accelerator, which I will report back right. in on over time because it takes weeks upon weeks a couple of months for it to properly take effect yeah uh, right yeah it's not one of those things where you put it on and all. it's like a cartoon you put put it on and yeah. it comes out yeah it's, it's not the mox and L. that's what it ain't like you know <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was <laughs> but um I did get the the shampoo conditioner bundle I got two bundles of the oils also where it has the elixir and the day tonic so I got two uh-huh. different scents in that one of the silver tier I think it was the Viking Storm and I got Honier's uh-huh. yeah. Poem yeah. the gold one yeah I haven't that's the one I don't think I've it tried yet and I might get it next time I order yeah um, I, like, is it, what's it smell like you like, know like sex I don't know like uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good like no like, Alison loves it the thing is it's got it <laughs> Whenever I put on yours, I'm going through the Viking Storm one first. And she's always like, ooh, yeah. the smell of that. And then the other day, because I wanted to test it out, what it was like, I threw on the night elixir for the Honier's poem. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh my god, that's way better. Like, And the price it was between was only a couple of euros. So I'd be buying the gold tier one next time around again, I think. Because it was, it right. genuinely it is way nicer. But, um, but I think they're great, though, because like, I... I, I always yeah. used another kind of brand stuff and it's worked out a good chunk cheaper and it is way better quality this stuff is so you, you know you gotta wait for it to be shipped to you which can sometimes t- it, it's it's a lot quicker now than what it was before when they first started out when I first got with them about three years ago uh, it took a long time to get the shipment in and now it's it's a lot quicker uh, but for that little bit of time you got you have no wash you have no oil and you go to the store and you get just the off the shelf stuff and it, it, it it's oil is oil but honestly there is such a difference between the stuff you're buying at the store for 10 bucks and what you're getting at the beard struggle that's why i keep going yeah. back to them i i not 100 i love them i do even though i've tried others be like i'll give this a try see what it's see, see if it's any good that's something you, you kind of have to do if you're you know to see how good the quality product is you need to try something else and every single time it's been well that's no good get more beard struggle yeah that's pretty much where i am now as well yeah. and they have a sampler kit for each of their things they have a they do. sampler kit and yeah a, they, an it comes with the it's like it, it comes with their standard scents um that are kind of always there and uh so if if you don't know what you would like which so far i have not found one that has not gone over well with the wife which is really what matters uh but if you you know if you don't know what scent you like you get the sampler kit and you you find out you'll probably find out that you like all of them and if you want to get that 
use our exclusive discount code TORTURE19 at checkout. It's beardstruggle.com. Do what's right for your beard. Do what's right for your face. Now, it, it didn't take much time for paranoia to take over Paul Pot's world. His top priorities became secrecy and security. He surrounded himself with bodyguards, had, fo- had food testers, and refused to ever sleep in the same place twice. I guess that I guess when you have all those empty houses that they left open, you can just pick <laughs> yeah. a different house every night to sleep in. Be like, somebody bring me the goldfish. Like I say, food tester. This food tester would be the best job. Guaranteed to get food. Unless, <laughs> unless it wasn't the best job. Unless somebody was actually trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah but then you're out of your misery then, realistically, aren't you? Like, well, you're, you're not going to starve to death then, and it's... You know, could go down eating some sweet, sweet pork burritos or some shit like that already so brown rice yeah <laughs> pork burritos with brown rice that's what you're into <laughs> with some nice chalulululula hot sauce she started ordering the arrest torture and execution of thousands of Khmer within the first few months after the end of the revolution he created a secret police force called the Santabal not the secret no police Sinodo. no Sinodo no Sinodo just Santabal and a special prison for the torture and interrogation of suspected enemies. A former high school in Phnom Penh called Tools Vey, it was codenamed S21, ran by security head Kang Kik Lu, a.k.a. Duch. Now, Dan, I want you to take a quick Kang guess. Kik Will Kik Lu? Kang Kik Lu. I want you to take a quick guess. At what duck means, roughly. Um, two. <laughs> the schoolboy who stands up when the teacher asks him to stand up. Also, oh, like a teacher's pet type thing. Or Pretty much. Just yeah. A... Okay. But you're duck. You're duck. Duck. The duck. <laughs> fucking teacher's pet. Fucking duck. Fucking duck. It's so. It's so fucking duck. <laughs> How did I not think of that? F U C H D U C H. Oh, that might be the name of the episode. I don't know yet. And the majority <laughs> of its guards and torturers were teenagers, so no self-control and completely obedient. So let's talk a bit about this particular prison. S21 was the site of horrific abuse. Uh, it combined the functions of incarceration, investigation, education, uh, and counterespionage. People were rounded up and imprisoned there based on the slightest suspicion of being subversive or for deviating from the strict codes of behavior laid out by Ankar. Once there, prisoners were housed alone in tiny individual cells or large classrooms with masses of others. In either case, prisoners were shackled to the floor, given paltry rations of food, forbidden from talking, and were subject to sometimes daily interrogations, which always including torture, such as 
electric shocks, suffocations, beatings, and other physical and psychological abuse. I even saw something that said you couldn't lay down, sit up, or even shift your weight without permission. So if you're just like laying there and you, your arms falling asleep or your hips starting to hurt and you shift your position, you had to get permission first to just the move. ones that were released called Lucky Ducks. We'll get to the ones who were released. Uh, there's not many, <laughs> but I get, I get where you're coming from. Each person uh, brought to the prison was considered guilty upon arrival and expected to confess their guilt. The confessions were to include lists of others who were guilty of subversion or counter-revolutionary acts. Under the duress, at, under the duress and pain of torture, people regularly falsified confessions, often listing the names of whomever they could think of, as long as it is as long as it would end. The torture. I immediately thought of the witch trials and pretty much everything that we've talked about in medieval Europe uh, so far in this podcast. Yeah. Just come up with something to tell them so they'll leave you alone. It was Dave. It was Dave. It was Dave's old fucking Steve Cooper. Fucking we got to get a Steve Cooper t-shirt. And nobody's going to understand what it is unless you listen to the show. And it's fine, but we got to get a Steve Cooper t-shirt. Anybody out there who does art, anybody who does like fan art or anything, like, just come up with a Steve Cooper t-shirt in a barrel or something. We'll put it on a shirt. Now, even though many times after a confession, Duke would Duke or some other higher up would read the confession, decide it was either bullshit or not enough, and have them tortured some more. And these confessions were turned over directly to Paul Pot. So let's take a look at some of these violent stories for people that suffered these horrors. Uh, people like Chum May, a rare survivor of S21. And again, when I say rare, we will get to exactly how rare it is to survive S21. Chum May had been working as a mechanic for the Khmer Rouge when suddenly he was arrested on October 28, 1978, uh, and taken straight to S21. He was never told why, quote, I was blindfolded and my hands were tied behind my back. I pleaded with my captors to let my family know where I was. All they told him was, Ankar will smash you. Upon arrival, he was pulled by the ear to direct him where to go and Some kicked kind of in the waist, causing him to fall. Ankar will smash you. Yeah. After being measured and photographed, prisoners were stripped and shackled to the floor of the cell, barely big enough to sit down, about one and a half meters by two meters. There was a small bullet container in which he should relieve himself, and he was told that if he spilled anything, liquid or solid, he would be required to lick the spillover off the floor. And I read a couple of these and it is what they forced them to do. Didn't matter what fell on the floor, you were going to clean it with your tongue. Those classic piddle in the middle and your feet will stay dry. I've never heard that one. But I mean, it, it, a bullet container is not very, very big. They're, I they're don't not imagine. Big. No. I so if, imagine. if you got to drop a mighty deuce. 
Not they're not feeding you enough to drop a mighty deuce, though. To be but fair, but when you first go in there, you might you might have had enough to eat before, you know. Now, now by 1978, he That's would true. not have had enough to eat. He would have <laughs> probably been already emaciated. <laughs> Tro- dro- dro- dropping that. a 50 caliber shit. <laughs> he was told not to talk to other people adjacent to his cell and was required to just be quiet. Quote, after that, I cried because I felt so hopeless and confused. On the first day, he was given a ladle of watery gruel in the morning and another in the evening. Uh, Chum May was so hungry. Fuck lost. Chum May was so hungry, he would eat the rats that scurried into his cell. Now, they don't have fire to cook these things, so you're eating them raw. No <laughs> yeah. In the 12 Ooh. days that followed, he was taken from uh, his cell three times a day, 7 a.m. to 11 a.m., 1 p.m. to 5 p.m., and 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., and tortured in one of the prison's interrogation rooms. Two guards took turns beating him with sticks covered in twisted wire, Eventually, they decided to pull out his big toenails. Yes, so I had an ingrown, I had an ingrown toenail removed uh, last year, and while the experience, for the most part, was was fine, getting the shot of uh, numbing solution, lidocaine, or whatever it was they gave me, was probably the worst part of it initially. It's fucking horrible. Uh, I don't feel anything after that until all that shit wears off. And then the pain kicks in. I just wanted somebody to cut my toe off. I was like, I can't believe I went through. Why did I do this to myself? Why did I get this done? I should have just lived with the ingrown toenail. I would have been fine. (laughs) Why did I do? I say I laid in bed. Just why did I do it? Because they told me to take off work for the next couple days after that because you can't really walk. You can't wear a shoe. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm taking off life for the next couple of days. I'm never returning to work. <laughs> I just w- literally, I just wanted somebody to cut my fucking toe off. It hurts so goddamn bad. But that was with numbing solution, and that was only a part of my toenail. He had his toenails ripped off, ripped out. Just somebody grabbed him and pulled really hard. That's just no, no, no. I draw the line. I read that, Kevin. (laughs) I read that, and it just PTSD. It just brought it all back. (laughs) The medical procedure I went through once that people go through daily. Oh god, I've seen it in movies before and stuff, and it's one of the things that definitely makes me squirm. It seems like there's like yeah, well, not even that. Like even like just pulling in nails in general. Like yeah, there's um the movie but uh the revolution here or of independence or whatever it was where the window shakes the barley or is it based i think i've brought it up before but uh this is a base from world war one or something anyway yeah guy getting fingernails pulled and it's like not as if they properly show it or anything and it's just like right no like even... i think but even then i think getting my fingernails pulled out wouldn't bother i mean it obviously it would hurt and it would bother me and i'd cry uh, but it wouldn't be as bad as the toenails. For some reason, the toenails just it gives it that little bit. It, it makes Extra. it that little bit more, a little bit worse. Just a little bit worse. It gives you, as what the kids would say today, the ick. <laughs> the ick. Uh, speaking of World War One movies, I just watched All Quiet on the Western Front that they redid like last year. 
Yeah. So fucking good. So fucking good. I mean, I checked that out, actually. That That's one, great. Uh, was it 1944? Uh, uh, I don't know. 1914? Or 1917? Maybe it's 19... I don't know. It's a movie. That's really good. I've seen it. I just don't remember which, which year it's based on. But yeah, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, it's 1984. That's what it is. Oh, <laughs> that's a different one. That's different. Yeah. That's completely different. Yeah. Uh, quote, I could tolerate the pain of being beaten and even having my toenail pulled out. But it was the electric shocks I was terrified of. Now, these were administered by placing electrodes inside the ear. Not on the side of the head. Not by the ear. Inside the fucking ear. I thought you were going to say something else at at first. No, but (laughs) still. He he is deaf in one ear as a That's result. That's why they call it the shocker, you see. <laughs> <laughs> He's deaf in one ear as a result and says he hears the sound of rushing water when he moves his head. Quote, it felt like my eyes were on fire and my head was a machine. After that, I started telling them whatever they wanted to hear. I didn't know what was right or wrong anymore. So I bet. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> That's probably like, okay, yeah. What do you want to know? I will tell yeah. you literally everything. Good on him for waiting that long because I'd have been they they'd have taken me to the room. I'd be like, what do you want to know? Yeah. Who, who, who do you want me to throw under the bus? I don't give a fuck. What, what is it? <laughs> bring in bring, your man brings in his uh his glove extender. He's just literally putting his putting his hands in his gloves <laughs> and you're like What do you want to know? Don't use that. No, not, not the pair of agrish. If you want he to know what con- I'm talking about, then uh, go back and check out our pair of anguish episode there, everybody, and you. Just putting a cantaloupe like, yeah. in a head crusher. <laughs> yeah. It could be you. <laughs> he was constantly asked about CIA and KGB agents. He said he fabricated names as to not implicate anyone, giving a false confession to finally stop the torture. The only thing that saved his life was that he could fix sewing machines, typewriters, and water pumps. He was useful, so there's no point in killing him off just quite yet. Mm-hmm. A fellow survivor, Bao Meng, was originally a Khmer Rouge supporter, an artist by trade. He had actually painted some of the early propaganda posters. He and his wife, Mei Yun, were arrested on August 16, 1977. Quote, they screamed in my wife's face that Ankar had never arrested the wrong person. The couple had been separated on arrival at S-21. Bao Meng was photographed and taken to a large holding cell filled with emaciated prisoners. Quote, At first I thought it, the smell, was something like dead fish or mice because I had never smelt rotting human flesh before. Like Chum Mei, he was relentlessly questioned and beaten, leaving scars on his back. He, too, is deaf in one ear as a result of regular torture. Listening After several months... Huh? That's from his wife. No. The deaf in one <laughs> ear thing. After several months of interrogation, Bao Mang also relented and gave a false confession, admitting to being part of a CIA network and naming other collaborators. 
When Duke found out that he was an artist, he told him to reproduce a black and white photograph of Paul Pot, and Duke warned him that if it wasn't lifelike, he'd be killed. It took him three months to finish the painting. It was one and a half meters wide by about 1.8 meters high. But yeah, I bet you took all the fucking time in the world to get that thing done. You painstaked yeah. every goddamn line of that it's fucking three thing. Three years later. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm still, still working on the, the eye. Pleased with his work, Duke later requested large portraits of Karl Marx, Lenin, and Mao Zedong, as well as several more of Paul Pot. He was also told to draw, and this this is a weird one. And, and what, why he was told to draw it? I guess they get, but the the specificity of it is is weird. Like the, the actual like, content of the let picture. Me guess. Let me guess. Is it the cool ass from the nineties? What he gets them to do. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking so about. Draw that on fucking everything. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the, Google it. I couldn't draw the Slipknot S to say. Yeah, my everybody was doing it for that. I just, I just, I just drew that. <laughs> anyway, he was also told to draw the Vietnamese communist leader Ho Chi Minh stranded on a rooftop in the middle of a big storm. That'd be pretty epic. It'd be like an album cover. You know, Ho Chi Minh. <laughs> yeah, but he's supposed to. She'd like you know hold his but he's not supposed to be like heroic he's supposed to be standing stranded like ah that's a pretty heroic i don't care what anybody says that looked like the <laughs> cover like the coolest album ever we looked over that album remember the one that i i, I showed on here before yeah yeah it'd be like it'd be like it'd be like that that's what it'd be like that's quote fantastic. i don't know why duke needed these paintings and i didn't dare to ask it's like no if he tells you to draw something fucking draw it just fucking draw it. Don't give a shit. What do you want? You want the Pope with a with a prolapsed anus chasing after a little boy? Sure, I'll draw whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Chum May was lucky enough to meet back up with his wife and their newborn son after his release. His other son had died of fever during the first evacuation, and his daughters went missing after his arrest and were never found. Bao Meng's wife was murdered in S-21. And then there was Van Nath, another survivor, that said, quote, after living on two or three spoonfuls of rice a day for several days, my body began to deteriorate. Yeah, that one. My ribs were poking out, and my body was like an old man of 70. My hair was overgrown like bamboo roots and had become a nest for lice. I had scabies all over my body. My mind and spirit had flown away. I only knew one thing clearly. Hunger. Every four days, they gave us a bath. They brought hoses up from downstairs and sprayed everyone from the doorway. If you were on the far side of the room like I was, you didn't get very wet. Each day, they would take some prisoners out of my room to be interrogated. They would handcuff and blindfold the prisoners before they left the room. Sometimes, some of the prisoners came back with wounds or blood on their bodies, while others disappeared. Prisoners who had been there when I arrived started dying in the room one by one. If a prisoner died in the morning, they would not take him out until night. So just a dead body laying there next to you all fucking day. Okay. Start eating that shit. 
protein people protein. You, it might you, it, it might get that bad you might have to uh alive it you know if they like what? alive alive oh. it you know the story of the um argentinian rugby team lost in the andes yeah yeah. I didn't know what you're getting at because it was a corpse, and you're like, "Am I to alive it?" <laughs> yeah, you Frankenstein like... the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, you trying to do this thing where, like, did they do it on Facebook now, where you can't say dead or murdered, and you're like, "They're the unalive." Oh, no, you unalive it. Yeah. <sighs> no, you go steal some of those electric uh, shock, whatever they're using for electric shocks for interrogation. You put it on the corpse, and you bring it back to life. You Frankenstein the fucking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you, you cut off it. slices. Of their butt cheeks, and you stick it on that thing. You turn it on. You turn it into a kebab. The kebab. <laughs> yep. Interrogations weren't the only horrors of S twenty one. They again, much like the Japanese, performed medical experiments on unwilling prisoners. One seventeen year old woman had her throat slit and her abdomen pierced before being put in water for two hours. Then she was apparently beaten, put back in the water. For a whole night, and the process was repeated several times. Duke testified that this experiment was conducted in order to find out how many days bodies could stay in water before they resurfaced. They like resurfaced automatically. They do it, put a dead body in the water. The first thing that will happen is they will resurface. I suppose I'm sitting there and he's like, how, how long do you think if we uh, threw in that water? How long do you think until she float back up to the top? Oh, right, right away, right away. <laughs> don't try me that know. shit. Took her in there. Uh, oh, okay. Sure? Yeah, but look, we don't want her flapping around the place. Cut her throat first. Okay, go cool, bam oh, into the water. Floats up to the top. You know what? Beat her a little bit. She might be less likely to come back up again. Yeah, beat the fuck out of her. See if she stays yeah, down. Yeah. Then. Well, first, first he's like, oh, it sounded like they were just playing around, like they were just having fun with her, playing with her. And then they're like, come on. And he finally told them, he's like, okay, it was an experiment to see how long it would take a body to resurface. Immediately. It happens immediately. It's not like, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio in the Titanic where he just, in Titanic where he just floats to the bottom of the, of the fucking ocean after he lets go of the. Of the you sink of, to the bottom of, the of things, Kevin. You don't float to the bottom of things. It, that makes as much sense. <laughs> I'm not sinking. I'm floating with style. Low, lower up, <laughs> lower up the volume there, will you please? <laughs> M. Un, who worked as a medic during 1977 and 1978, testified he had seen live human beings used for medical experiments instead of corpses. People were cut open alive under the macabre guise of medical experiments designed to teach young Khmer Rouge's medicine. At least a hundred prisoners were killed by bleeding them to death, and some were sliced open and had organs removed with no anesthetic. I can imagine some soldiers guy sitting there with a bunch of Khmer Rouge people, and it's like, so that's a dick. <laughs> Just hack it off. Next! <laughs> You're learning no. medicine. <laughs> Although most of uh, those taken to S21 were young Khmer men, the population included women and sometimes children. 
When a man was in prison for what was euphemistically called re-education, his wife and children were frequently taken along. Males and females were housed and interrogated separately, and the women were separated from their children and frequently sexually abused by the young guards. One former guard explained that even women and children prisoners were seen as the enemy and were abused and executed mercilessly. Quote, when the party makes an arrest, it arrests an enemy of the party. If we arrest the husband, we arrest the wife and children too, even our own parents or brothers or sisters. If the party arrests them, they're enemies. If we are ordered to destroy them, we did. The party never made a mistake. I mean, that is just brainwashing and indoctrination to a T. The party never makes a mistake. I'd like to know if they had erasers in their stationery, in their offices or not. Cause... Paul, pa- Paul Pot did not own an eraser. No, that's what I was thinking. None. Yeah, all the chalkboards and all the chalk, no erasers. It was covered <laughs> from end to end. Just erase something just so you can go click, click, and the, <laughs> and the desk goes everywhere. It's sitting so you... in the canteen say, hey, did you put too much salt in this? I don't know. Did I? Yeah. You did not. You did not. Many of the guards later claimed they committed abuses and murder because they feared for their own lives. One said, quote, I realized that I was uh, really a prisoner there, too. When I heard people scream, I was worried that if I did anything, they would torture and kill me, which I imagine is true for a small minority of prison guards. I'm sure a few of them probably didn't want to be doing all the horrible things they were doing. But uh, you're not going to convince me that it was the majority. You're not going to convince me at all that the majority of the people that were there doing that shit didn't want to be there doing that shit. Of course not. So what happened if you gave a confession, false or not, and the torch stopped? Well, then you would be blindfolded, hands tied, loaded up in a truck, and shipped off to Chung Ek, otherwise known as the Killing Fields. In a series of mass burial pits, the prisoners would not be shot because bullets were expensive and in limited supply. And you can't kill this many people with bullets. It's just, it doesn't make financial sense. No, instead the victims would be bludgeoned or stabbed to death. Axe handles, sharpened bamboo sticks, hammers, machetes, and the most popular tool... The axle of an ox cart. Okay. (laughs) It's like, I feel like you could use the ox cart for better things than, you know, killing people with. I feel like that's a tool that you will need, especially in an economy fueled by farming and rice. You're going to need something to carry all that shit. You might want to keep your ox carts intact. They probably just got bored. It's good. It's good it yeah. It's like, well, we already just... killed the ox and ate him. What do we do <laughs> with its cart? Take it apart and beat people with it. Well, that's the next obvious solution. Duh. <laughs> Luckily, this wasn't to last more than a few years. Luckily. Oh, just, just, just a few, a few just years. a few years. That that axle from the ox cart. That... Human sh- head shape. Fucking bending it by now. 
<laughs> How long you had that one? Uh, just a few years. I just like I a need pipe a new from one. Be- from fucking Tom and Jerry or something. You know, they <laughs> oh, hit them and they catch their shape and <laughs> Donald Duck is just <laughs> yeah, the, head, yeah. the beak. You're despicable. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Paul Potts' paranoia may have indeed led to the capture and murder of his enemies inside the Khmer Rouge, but he also weakened the party so much through creating fear and mistrust that he left the country open to invasion. A conflict was quickly coming to a head with Vietnam. Many Vietnamese troops were still along the border as after the war had ended, and Paul feared that they would eventually attack. So he sent his troops to execute small invasions and confront Vietnamese troops, slaughtering an estimated 30,000 Vietnamese civilians. Most notably, during the Ba Chuk massacre, the Khmer Rouge military crossed the border and entered the village, murdering 3,157 Vietnamese citizens. Just, when was this again? Oh, this was in between uh, 1976 and 1970, the end of 1978. So they, Vietnam had literally just gotten out of drone. Well, you have this whole area had war. just gotten out of war. The whole yeah. and that's the whole thing is that everybody. Like, I know, like Laos and yeah. Cambodia and all that. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's southern Vietnam, too, so it's the people that really got their asses handed to them in the first place. They're all worn out from fighting. The Americans are gone. They're not there to protect them anymore. So, yeah. It's just shit sandwich on top of shit sandwich. Brown rice on top of brown rice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, he asked China for help, but they didn't like the fact that he was hiding the party's communist affiliation from the world. So in September of 1977, Paul Pot came out of the co- of the communist closet and told everyone he was actually Salazar, son of a rice farmer. It was too little, too late. While China agreed to give money and weapons, they refused to send troops. So Paul Pot started sending rice to the Khmer Rouge troops that were fighting with the Vietnamese taking food from the people and the workers that were growing it, meaning more and more were dying from starvation and being overworked. It's like, I know you only get like one spoonful of rice a day, but we're going to cut that to no spoonfuls of rice a day so I can feed the people who are killing the Vietnamese for literally no fucking reason. So the problem is the Vietnamese, uh, sorry, the rest of the Cambodian army are standing there with a bunch of um, fucking axles made in China. <laughs> you're trying to fight off the Vietnamese. Just, just piece, pieces of crap what, to keep breaking. What happened to your ox cart hand, axle? Uh, it broke. You fucking you pick it up made in China. God yeah. damn it, another one. <laughs> Christmas Day, 1978. The Vietnamese launched a full-scale invasion with more than 100,000 of their own troops and 20,000 former Khmer troops that were dedicated to overthrow Pol Pot. By January 2nd, the Vietnamese started airstrikes, and by the 5th, Pol Pot was holed up in Phnom Penh. The city fell to the Vietnamese on the 7th, and Pol Pot evacuated by helicopter to Thailand. S-21 was liberated, chaos ensued, and the vast majority of the prisoners that were left were quickly executed. When it was all said and done, 
S-21 imprisoned an estimated 20,000 people. I talk about uh, how rare it was to survive. Of that 20,000 people, 12 survived. Jesus. Not 1,200, not 12,000. 12. 12. A mortality rate of 0.06%. Worse than any Nazi concentration camp. By far. And the biggest electricity bill going. <laughs> what, right into your ear. Just yeah. right into your ear. That's how earbuds were invented. <laughs> Paul Pot would spend the next 19 years bouncing from camp to camp along the northern and eastern borders of Cambodia, protected by the last few Khmer Rouge that held territory there. The Thai, Chinese, and the United States provided him with financial, tactical, and diplomatic support for much of the 80s and 90s. Yes. Yes. As we stand there, woo-wooing our hatred of communists, we just helped one of the worst ones to ever live. Get away with whatever he wanted. America likes to hitch itself to all kinds of strange wagons. Fuck yeah. Hedge your bets, is what they tell you. Hedge your bets. In 1979, he was found guilty of war crimes and punished to death, but since he was in hiding, didn't really matter. And since he had, and since he had countries like, Taiwan, like uh, Thailand, China, and the U.S. behind him, it's a good chance that he was, <laughs> wasn't going to be taken prisoner anytime soon. Paul Pot remained a symbolic leader, but faced internal dissent within the Khmer Rouge ranks. In June of 1997, a faction within the Khmer Rouge turned against Pol Pot and arrested him. The reason for his arrest included internal power struggles and international pressure. Now, after his arrest, Pol Pot was placed under house arrest by the Khmer Rouge. He remained confined to a small hut in the jungle. April of 1998, news of his arrest leaked to the international community. Shortly thereafter, on April 15th, Paul Pot died under mysterious circumstances. Official cause of death was reported as a heart attack, but questions surrounding his demise persisted. It was strange to have a heart attack after you fall 10 stories. (laughs) We caught him! We caught him, man! He's dead. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine it might have been like a uh, Gaddafi thing. We caught him, man! He got raped in the asshole with a utility knife. (laughs) Hate how when that happens. By the end of Pol Pot's reign, between two and three million people, almost the entire population of Phnom Penh, were dead. As of the latest numbers, now this was probably taken about a year ago as as it was updated. As the latest numbers I could find, 1,112,829 of whom were buried in the 20,492 mass graves in the killing fields. It's a fertile land. War, rebellion, man-made famine, genocide, politicide, and mass murder claimed almost a quarter of the entire Cambodian population. And that is the somewhat condensed story. Of Pol Pot and the Cambodian Genocide. 
love to know how he went out. Yeah. Oh, I imagine it was a a bullet to the head or he he died of heart problems. It was probably a knife through it. Yeah. Or somebody beat him to death with an ox cart. (laughs) (laughs) You can only help. Um, But to, to leave this on like a high note, and have you know that those uh, two of the survivors we talked about earlier, Chum Mei and Bao Meng, are actually, as of the recording of this, unless something happened that I did not read, are still alive. Uh, cool. Chum Mei is in his mid-90s. Bao Meng is in his mid to late 80s. They actually spend a lot of time at S21 still. It has been turned into one of the uh, macabre tourist attractions like you would see in, like, like an Auschwitz, people would go there, and and it'd be a, it's a somber thing, same type of thing. You go there, and you you feel the weight of what's there, but um, yeah, they both they kind of wrote um not so much a like a full length book, but almost like a, a pamphlet of what happened there, the uh, the horrors that they experienced there, and they actually make a living selling that and selling tours of S21 that they will stay at periodically to, you know, give tours and then go home. Both of them, um, both of their wives died. Chumay's wife died later. They, they're both remarried and had more children. So it's not all completely doom and gloom there was a, a, a little bit i'm not going to say there's a silver lining <laughs> some people say oh well there's a silver lining to this story no there's no silver lining to this story for those people they just made the best of a bad situation they, yeah. they came least, out and they're okay now at least they didn't uh fall victim to the old uh dutch bag yeah so. dutch bag. Dutch bag. uh have you found any pop culture dan oh uh, yeah there was a move i forgot to bring it back up there's a film made that was a documentary film, right? I have to pull it back up here. Hold on a second now. Um, which was that so they're actually filming while they were doing an awful lot of these atrocities. Right. Um and Is that like, the uh, Welcome to the Killing Fields or whatever it is? I believe it is, yeah. Um it's just called The Killing Fields, yeah. It was released in nineteen eighty four. Okay. Um Welcome to the Killing Fields is the concept album so. My Chemical Romance did about it. Ah. Welcome to the Yeah. Um yeah, so there's uh oh I'm sorry, just go at this hold on one second. Is there, oh no, sorry, there's a there's a film called The Killing Fields, which isn't the one mm-hmm. I was thinking of. Okay. Which um is a journalist trapped in Cambodia during the year zero cleansing campaign. But then there was another one, I'll have to try and find it now. Uh god damn it. Where if I I'll try and find it and put it up because I had it up earlier and I'm after losing it. But there's it's a documentary style thing and it was them actually right. filming throughout stuff from their perspective you know um which is pretty fucking crazy maybe it's enemies of the people is that it oh one of the most harrowing companions oh yeah yes yeah yeah enemies of the people um it's um actually proper documentary filmed throughout like it's like pole pots in it it's all archival footage and stuff really so um, and they yeah, they did the same type of thing with like uh, Nan King and all that shit, where they had somebody film that. So I think it's like People of the Sun or something like that. I don't remember right. the exact name of it. Um, but yeah, those are What's those are group? hard to to watch. Yeah, it's actually uh-huh. interesting that S twenty one. Nobody knew about S twenty one until the Vietnamese invasion, and it was a Vietnamese journalist 
that actually found it. Uh, oh right. And released all the released footage of it and everything. They had no idea what was going on. Uh, he they went in and the first thing this guy really sees is a room with a mattress in it. It's just, it's not even a mattress. It's just a, a bed frame with springs with no covering. Yeah. And it was covered in fresh blood, so much so that it even was spread up the wall onto the ceiling. Jesus. And there were pictures put up um, above the the mattress of people being tortured. And that's how they actually found out about S21. And they were able to get a hold of, I believe it was five adults and seven children that made it out of S21 alive. And that was it. Out of all 20,000. Um, like that. So, yeah. Pretty fucking horrible. Mm. There's another documentary here actually called Cambodia, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge. It's a 40 minute long documentary. Like it's really high ratings. It's other archival footage, actual footage. I might have to watch that and cry. (laughs) Yeah, it says. (laughs) Watch that in the fetal position and question all of my fucking life choices. While you're eating a burrito. Yeah. White rice, thank you. Uh, thank you to our patrons, Inquisitor Ragamondi, Willow Quinn Fowler, and MX Sinister 26. Um, you want to have your name shouted out on the episode? All you got to do is go to our Patreon, sign up. Uh, we got like four tiers to pick from. Cheapest one's $3, get you called out. Not that big a deal. Um, or, and, and you can get the cult leader tier for like a week for free just to try it out if you want. So. That's fine. Also, we will read your emails if you send them to us, torturepod.gmail.com, or your messages from Instagram or the tickety-tockety or whatever you want to message us on. Uh, social media is at torturepod. Uh, go rate and review wherever you listen, if possible. You can go to a YouTube page and listen to this here, see snippets of it, you know, of, of what we're doing. You'll see our bright and shining faces. Uh <laughs> donate to the show uh, on our link tree which is on our socials you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash torture pod I might change it to pizza after the conversation we had at the beginning of the show uh, buy me a pizza um, or you, again you can go to our patreon patreon.com slash torture pod or do us a real solid and go buy some of our merch redbubble.com slash people slash torture pod hint for our next episode who says exercise can't kill you? Is this going to be um, all, about all the videos that Mr. Motivator released back in the 80s? <laughs> Fucking <laughs> torture. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be an hour and a half of buns of steel. Oh, now, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it's a, it, the, the next one's a very interesting one. Uh, Stairmaster. I always learn something new when I do these, but this one I had no idea about until I kind of stumbled upon, and it's 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 actually it's horrifying, but it's actually pretty cool. Um, All right. But anyway, with that, Dan, any words of wisdom? Oh God, I keep forgetting about this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I actually kind of love. I, I hate and love because I, I I I I like preparedness. The fact that you're not, it doesn't irk me, but it's kind of like. You should know by now. But I also love it because I catch you off guard and you're like, fuck, I got to come up with something real quick. Fuck. Yeah, well, you see, I don't, I don't, in some ways as well, I don't like coming up with 
stuff in advance. You know what I mean? It's one of those things. Oh, it's not, I, yeah, it's not really my, my, my you haven't, vibe. You haven't disappointed me yet as yeah. to what your word of wisdom is, so uh, it's fine to, if you don't <laughs> prepare. It's <laughs> just if it was me, like, Kevin, any words of wisdom? I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and then I just turn I just turn my recording device off because I'd be stuck. <laughs> I have a couple of, couple of things. Um, okay. First one being... Uh, Look, if they close your local Pizza Hut, take that as a hint. Don't go out of your way to go get Pizza Hut. Um, they also have delivery drivers for a reason. Um, the, the, the delivery drivers don't drive a half an hour. But in that case, I take that as a hint. <laughs> <laughs> the universe does not want you to have Pizza Hut. All right. Your husband doesn't want you to have Pizza Hut. Yeah, yeah. Your husband is a big <laughs> fan. But go, whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, probably three of them uh, as a second one. Um, trim the trees outside your house, otherwise it sounds like people are creeping around inside your house every time you're yeah, against the window. I yeah. imagine it's a tree. I don't know. It's just, two it's words of wisdom so far bagging. directed directly at Kevin so far. Anyway. <laughs> but um, And then the last one, I think, is just generally good advice for absolutely anybody. <sighs> if you're told not to look in the box, don't look in the box. Hear that, Brad? What's in the box? Don't look in the box. It's if it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head, it's fine. Just don't. We've had enough. Look in the box of your vagina, okay. vagina scented candles, and your goop. Yeah. <laughs> um, just, just, Do you find any Taylor Swift songs named? Listen to I don't Morgan. Think I don't think there's any say Taylor Swift songs named after the Killing Fields or Paul. Let me Lott. see. I don't, know, uh, I don't know if she's got that. Taylor. <laughs> Swift songs about mass murder. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, only the young, which is about school shootings. But oh, yeah, you know, not quite the same thing. No, well, that's just that's to... her, that that's her year Taylor of, Swift um, genocide. What call it? Well, that's it. Like no, like that's like that's her year zero. You know, is yeah. all the school shootings and shit like that. So, um. We, yeah, sadly, there's no Taylor Swift songs that have anything to do with Pol Pot. Um, we rag funny. on Taylor Swift quite a bit on this show for her music. You know, for what? For her music. We're not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's what that's what they call it, Dan. They call it music. Oh. Um, which okay. neither one of us obviously are fans of. However, I don't know if you've been seeing the shit over there in Ireland that she's been getting. For uh, going to the NFL games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine she's dating one of the players of a game. Yeah, she's, dra- she's dating Travis Kelsey. He's probably the second greatest tight end Kansas City Chiefs have ever had. Um, <laughs> He's after her tight end. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll talk more about this a- a- after the show. We'll, we'll let people go. Leave Taylor Swift alone. All right, just leave her alone. No. You want to brag on her for her music? That's fine. Her as a person, or enjoying her boyfriend's football games. Leave her fuck alone. All right, that's all we got to say. Um, take care of yourselves and take care of one another. And we'll see you. Goodbye.